Welcome to this inspiring message by Paul Van Essen at Greater Life Church. For more information about us, do visit our website www.greaterlife.org.uk. All right, so we're on to we're on to the final part of the armor of God. So let's read this. Let me read it to you, and you can follow along if you want in your Bible. I'm gonna. Uh, Look at the NIV version here first. And uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians, one of the richest books in the Bible. Chapter 6, verses 10 through to 18. And so we're at the end of that book. And here he reads, he writes to them. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against uh, flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, therefore, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And that's really the closing of that particular passage. <clears throat> passage. He continues to request prayer for himself. But as we've discussed before, and, and we'll make available in some kind of you know package, uh, there are seven pieces of armor here that are listed. And remember this, that the weapons are are actually all defensive, bar one, which is that sword, and that the weapon is not a belt or a sword. The weapon is righteousness. So these are the weapons. Truth, that's a weapon. Righteousness, that's a weapon. It acts like a chest plate. Uh, Being prepared with the gospel of peace that's a weapon faith is a weapon it's like a shield Uh, salvation is a weapon and in this case we're talking about the knowledge of salvation hence the reference to your head to, to 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 the helmet that you know you're saved that's a weapon and then the word of god in your mouth we discussed that last time useless if it's not in your mouth Useless if it isn't pertinent to the situation you're dealing with. So we need to be familiar, more and more familiar with handling the word. That's the aggressive piece. And then finally, praying always with all kinds of prayer. So as we get into prayer, I just want to remind you simply this, that twice there, at least twice, maybe three times, Paul writes to these Christians and he says, guys, take up the armor. You're in a wrestle. 
You're in a war. You're in hand-to-hand combat. You're not dealing with people. Your enemy is not people. Your enemy is not your spouse, though sometimes I know it'll feel like that. Your enemy is n- are not your children, although sometimes you might feel like that. Your enemy are not your parents or your in-laws. Your enemies are not your bosses. Your enemies are not your neighbors. If you approach these people, people in the world like enemies, like this is where the war is, we're going to have a war with these people, you're missing the kingdom of God completely. People do act in most ungodly and demonic ways at times. But that's because they're under the influence of demonic power, which unless they're in Christ, and even sometimes when they are in Christ, if they yield to that, So for you to live a successful Christian life, which is what this Bible is talking about, you have to put on the armor and realize that your wrestle is not against people. It's against these spiritual forces. And and to put it on, remember this, we've said it a couple of times, to put it on is two things, to understand it and to walk in it or do it in daily life. To understand what faith is that it's being more convinced of what the Bible said than what the circumstances are telling you or your feelings are telling you. And to have that so established in your heart, not your head, but your heart, that your response to things is, no, this is of course not. This is not what God said. This is just what my symptoms said. That is what faith is. And when you understand that and then you choose to walk in it, so every day you say, this is how I'm walking, and you, and you put it into practice. Then you're putting on the armor, and then you'll stand against the enemy, and then you'll have good success in all that you put your hand to. Wrestle though you will, you'll come out victorious because the weapons of God are victorious weapons, and he has designed you to rule and reign in this life. But it doesn't happen unless you put the armor on. So let's go to armor piece number seven, which is the uh sorry prayer all kinds of prayer let me read this passage just the last little bit of it now in a different version uh this is the passion translation which is a great version and i just want to refresh us as we come to this together today um so ephesians 6 i'm going to uh start with verse 11 put on god's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits and hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides. So you're protected as you confront the slanderer, the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on holiness or righteousness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace, the gospel of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wrap-around shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. 
Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty, razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. So pray passionately. Both those versions, you'll notice, say pray with all kinds of prayer in the spirit. That's what they say. So let's look at that. Let's, let's go into that in our time together. Prayer, what is prayer? Prayer is communicating with God. That's what it is in essence. So that'll involve talking, listening, singing, praying in your natural language, English or Urdu or whatever else it might be your natural language. Also praying in the spirit. It'll include just being in God's presence, practicing and moving in the gifts of the Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about next Saturday. Perceiving things, seeking God, just pursuing Him, asking for uh, things. And there are others. So there's different kinds of prayer. I want to touch, I want to deal with two things here now. Um, all kinds of prayer. So when He says praying with all prayer in the Spirit, Okay, usually in the New Testament, generally praying in the spirit is the same, is synonymous with praying in other tongues or praying in your spiritual prayer language or praying uh, yeah, in other tongues is the more common phrase. So it's your spirit praying. Usually that is what that refers to. And you'll see in uh, Ephesians, uh, sorry, in 1 Corinthians 14, where it talks extensively about that, the terms are used interchangeably. And so most often when we teach, we would be talking about praying in the Spirit is praying in tongues. But you have to think and look at the context. And I want to bring two points to bear here. One is this one, where it says praying with all kinds of prayer in the Spirit. Well, common sense will tell you that not that there are some kinds of prayer that you aren't going to pray in other tongues. And so that tells me that although most of the time praying in the Spirit and praying in tongues are synonymous terms, there are times when praying in the Spirit doesn't specifically mean praying in tongues. You have to judge by the context. Another verse that helps throw light on that is John, I think it's 4.4. 4 where it's talking about that God is seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, again, in this case, worshiping God in spirit will certainly include worshiping him in a prayer language, your spiritual language, praying in tongues. But it also must include praying and worshiping God, not in other tongues. And so I think that there are times when this term in the spirit is not necessarily talking about praying in tongues. So what, what is it talking about then? It is talking about, when you pray in the Spirit, it's talking about that, that you are engaged in an exercise in the Spirit realm. Worship Him in the Spirit. In other words, don't just worship Him with your head. Don't just worship Him and acknowledge the words. Don't just worship Him and feel nothing. You are a spirit being. You have a soul. Those two are very closely intertwined. You live in a body. 
you contact three realms in this life. The physical realm, then there's the intellectual realm, and then there's the spiritual realm. The intellectual realm uh, is, is, let me give you an example. It's kind of like, kind of like when somebody obeys the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. Do you know what I mean? You can argue, and lawyers do this, they'll argue about the exact intention, uh, sorry, the exact definition intellectually of this law. But in doing that, they sometimes will win a case when actually the spirit of the law. So the spirit of the law in regards to, to uh, protection of your home is that you have a home and you're entitled to protect it. Uh, uh, if somebody uh, breaks into your home and uh, cuts themselves on a knife or whatever that you left lying around, there is an argument in law where you can be held accountable and be in trouble for that even though they were breaking into your house. That's a really good example of missing the whole spirit of the law. And, uh, and so it, it's a little bit like that in this talk realm of the spirit. In other words, intellectual knowledge. You can know all you like about God. You can know his seven uh, Hebrew names, El Shaddai and El, El, whatever else the rest of them are, you know. El, I'm not an expert in those things. But El, uh, no, sorry. So uh, Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah Tsikendu and all these things. And you could know all that and you could know where all they come from. But actually, you might, uh, you might go to heaven or someone might talk and, and, and Father God might say, I don't know that person at all. It's got nothing to do with your head knowledge. It's got to do with your heart connection. So praying in the spirit is praying or engaging in a different realm, not an intellectual realm. For some people, prayer has only ever been an intellectual exercise. My head tells me I've got to pray for my mum and dad because mum's not well. I've got to pray for my children. I've got to, I should pray for my job. I should say grace and thank God for the food. Those things are not wrong, but they're not in the spirit realm. Or you could, you could live your whole life praying that way and not engage in the spirit. The spirit is another world. The spirit realm is where the anointing is. The spirit realm is where the gifts of the spirit flow. And so praying in the spirit will mean for me, if I'm praying and I'm going into a, a, a time of prayer, and let's say I put aside 45 minutes and I'm going to pray now, then I will set things up a certain way. I'll talk a bit about that in a moment. And I will start to pray. And usually I will pray in the spirit. I'll pray in tongues first. But when I start, I'm not in the spirit. Because I'm, I'm, I've just come out of this world situation. I might have talked to Caroline. I might be dealing with builders who are doing things in the house. I might have spoken to a family about a funeral, whatever. But, and all those things are an important part of life. But you've got to disengage from that and engage in the spirit realm in order to pray in the spirit. And what happens is it takes maybe a few minutes or maybe 10 minutes or whatever and praying in the spirit helps you get in and worshipping helps you get in. 
but you press into and you focus on God I am here to be with you and and you will learn things so for me I, I, I will be deliberate I'll say I'm focusing on you I'm disengaging from the world I want to be with you I've turned locked the door I've turned the phone off I just want to be in your presence you've got certain things that you want to be prayed about I'm I'm here to pray through those things and praying in the spirit is a big part of that it's let me put it this way it's difficult to get into the spirit realm unless you pray in tongues it's difficult and I would say to you that are listening and to our friends in, uh, in, in Fasalabad as well, if you've never received the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and got the gift of praying in other tongues, in other languages, I would make that number one on my priority list. I would put that above my dinner tonight. I would put it above my hoping I get something for Christmas. I would put it above everything. And I would be hungry and I'm urging you to be hungry for that gift because hunger is the biggest key in causing that gift to flow and that will transform your life more than a new house, more than a new car, more than a new job, more than a new wife, <laughs> if that's what, okay, you know what I'm saying. So I want to urge you, no, so praying in the spirit is praying in a different realm, okay? The second thing I want to touch on in that passage there is all kinds of prayer. There are different kinds of prayer. And we could intellectually, and that's reasonable, list, I don't know, eight or ten of them. Here's some, the prayer of faith. It's a certain kind of prayer that's focused on receiving from God. The prayer of seeking God just pursuing him because I want to know him with no agenda other than that. That's a different kind of prayer, clearly. Practicing or moving in the gifts of the Spirit. You've got spiritual gifts, manifestations. This is our seminar next Saturday. You've got some, but you may not know what they are and you may not know how to operate them in them. And so one of the things you can do <clears throat> is get in the spirit realm in prayer and start to discover and practice and move in the gifts that you have, depending on what they are. We'll talk about it more next next week. But, but one of the most outstanding men of God of history used to uh, spend a lot of time, as I do, praying in the Spirit in his personal prayer life. And would then oftentimes, not always, but not irregularly, would start to, because of his gifts in the prophetic side of things, would start to speak in tongues or bring a message in tongues, which he would then interpret. So praying in the Spirit as a message to people and then interpreting it, those two gifts go together and together they equal essentially what prophecy is. But so you're picking up some words from heaven in your spirit. Then you interpret them. And his experience was that nearly all the major decisions, and they were big decisions. He's a big name minister that you would know if I told you. It doesn't matter. But a, a significant world-changing minister. He said all the major decisions in my life came from a time of praying in the Spirit and interpreting my prayers. I interpreted 
the message that God gave me for my own life. And it was like a prophecy to me. And I acted on that. Now, if that's all you're act on, acting on, then you're probably a little bit to one side and you need to come back into the middle of the road. But it's a part of that spiritual life. It's a kind, for want of a better term, it's a kind of prayer. Then you've got intercession, the Bible talks about, right? That's a different kind of prayer. Then you've got supplication, which most people don't hear about, though if you study it, you'll find the Bible talks more about supplication than it does about intercession. But we uh, pick up these habits along the way, and so everybody thinks intercession, um, supplication is another kind. Intercession is another kind. Fellowshipping, just hanging in the presence of God and talking to Papa. That's another kind of prayer. Then you've got corporate prayer, where you join with other people in prayer. That's an essential part of prayer. And uh, that's got its own benefits that obviously you don't have by yourself. So, for example, Jesus is building his church. His church is living stones. You are a living stone. And your brother, Christian, other person in the church is another living stone. And that's what we all are. And then God builds those together. 1 Peter talks about this, if you want to read it some more. He builds those together into the church and Jesus is the chief cornerstone. So any local church, which is what most of the time the Bible is talking about, a gathered assembly of people with a leader in a local place or with, in this case, we're doing it on YouTube, but there's connection. Um, but in, in essence, that was in a local community. Um, those, all those people are living stones and they build together. So a stone sits next to another stone and another stone sits on top of that. And that speaks of connection, touching, being close. And, uh, and, uh, but a pile of Christians, a pile of living stones, <clears throat> hundreds of them all thrown into the middle of a block of land lying on top of one another uh, in a big pile is not, is not a building. And that ain't a church. And so we could have, and we do have actually in the earth, large gatherings of Christian people that people might call church, but if lives are not built together, that is not church as Jesus intended it. This, this stone is going to have to touch this stone and you're going to have to learn how to get on. And you're going to be rubbed by the other stone like this so that you start to fit together well. And then well, all of a sudden, another stone comes on top. And now I'm not the top stone and I've got to get used to that. These are people, these stones, and they're not perfect either. And they're going to say things and do things they shouldn't do. And all that relationship is fundamental to building your Christian life and fundamental to building a Christian church. So you may have met, and I certainly know, some people who uh, for whatever personal reasons, don't want to go to church, but they will see themselves as very spiritual people and they think that they're growing very well in God. That really is a bit of a nonsense. You cannot successfully build a Christian life without meaningful fellowship, connection, accountability, and a, lead, and a community group called a church. Those two things just go hand in hand and you see it all through the book of Acts. Not my point today, but just thought I'd throw it in for nothing.
All right. So uh, we're talking about about these living stones building together and that all these all kinds of prayers. So that's one of the kinds of prayer. Obviously, in a church situation, you hear somebody else pray, you become subject to somebody else's spiritual influences, connection, there's things that go on and you need that. There are other kinds, but I think I've listed enough for you to to see that there are many different kinds of prayer. Now, one of the things you've got to watch, and we're going to spend the rest of our time just talking practically in the next five or ten minutes about how to pray effectively in this realm. One of the things you've got to watch is that sometimes people who are wired or gifted a certain way, they will just in their, in their private prayer life, they'll, they'll tend to always pray the same way. So some people will be always binding demons and loosing things. And that's like everything is almost a demon and that's what they do all the time. Um, others will always be praying their prayer of faith. So every time they pray, they're believing for something, they're receiving from something and then they're confessing in accordance with their belief. And that's how they pray all the time. Other people <clears throat> always wanting a word. They always got to have a prophecy from God or they're in the presence of God. And they're always got to, you know, they've got, there's got to be a vision. There's got to be a dream. There's got to be some word, prophetic word. And I believe in prophetic words. But if you're in an environment where, you know, every time you pray, you're getting eight different prophetic words, uh, you are not going to give those prophetic words the credence that they deserve, if indeed they are from the Spirit of God, because there's just too much information. Like, So you, there's a balance in all that. And then, of course, there are other people, and they are they are going to um, they're going to want to intercede all the time. And it's one thing to be wired that way, but it's another thing where you, it becomes a ha- habit. Then there are others that want to pray off a list. You know, I've got a list of things, and I'm going to go through that thing. Now that can be helpful, but it can be a hindrance also because it'll keep you tied to the intellectual realm, and it'll make it hard to get into the spirit realm. And this prayer, this instruction is pray with all kinds of prayer in the spirit. When you're in a place, and I'm sure I'm talking to some of us today, where you you tend to pray the same way often, and you're always believing God, or you're always looking for a vision, chances are you've got stagnant in your prayer life. And you've lost something of that live wire connection with God. Because every prayer session... Every time of prayer ought to be fresh, alive, and new. And I'm sure this is what uh, Paul is driving at when he talks about praying in the Spirit. You see, it's a living relationship you have with Papa God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit who's there with you. And he doesn't really get into formalism. Sometimes you could be praying away on the prayer of faith or praying away, looking for a vision, and actually the Holy Spirit is hanging there thinking, shall we connect? Because actually I wanted you to prophesy over your own life. Or actually I wanted to let you know that that thing that you're believing God for there isn't going to happen because it isn't in my will. So you better to let that go and just embrace a different kind of prayer or whatever. You see, the thing you've got to know is it's a living relationship. It's Papa with his son, or his daughter, enjoy being with him. 
Let every time of prayer be a fresh connection. Be, let your heart come into his presence and begin to pray and just talk to him and see where that leads you. And learn, now, because people can pretend too. People, they're like, the spirit is leading me here, the spirit is leading me there. I would say in my experience that most of the time, people that say that, the spirit is not leading them. That's just terminology they're using. You'll get some people that say the Spirit led me to this church this week and next week he's led me to this church. And I'm thinking, well, the Spirit's leading you then contrary to the Bible, which I do struggle with a tad. Because the Word of God tells you that you need to be planted in the house of God, that you've got to find home. And you've got to have a group of people, your community that are your people. And you've got to learn to be committed to those people when it's easy and when it's hard. And when your leader is on fire and when your leader is not so on fire, you've got to learn commitment. You've got to learn faithfulness uh, and the Holy Spirit leading you out because you don't like it anymore or you're bored or T.D. Jakes on TV is better than my pastor live. Those things are not going to help you grow in your spiritual life. All right, I think I made my point on that one. So it's you and Papa. Let me just finish now with a couple of practicals. Let me help you with really practical stuff. Because here's the thing. Jesus regularly went away and alone with God and prayed. That's what the Bible tells us in Luke 5.16. It was a regular part of his life to get away with God. Your time with God is one of the foundation stones, one of the great cup two or great two or three pillars of of strength and success in your Christian life, which is why it gets challenged, and which is why if I were to ask you, I would think almost every Christian that is listening to me today or listens to me in the future would acknowledge that their prayer life is not all that they would wish it to be because it is absolutely foundational. So I want to help you practically. You see it in the New Testament church as well, where they devoted themselves in Acts 2.42, they de- right through to 47, they devoted themselves to four things. And one, two of those were more social things, and two of those were spiritual. And the spiritual ones were the word of God coming out of the mouths of the apostles and prayer. They were devoted So I want to urge you to become a devoted seeker of God, to make a decision in your heart, not just because it's part of your armor, but because it's a foundation of Christian life to say, actually, I'm going to be a God seeker. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a prayer. I can afford to cut some things out. I can afford to stop some stuff. The average amount of time in England somebody spends watching TV and or YouTube and or Instagram and or other social media. It's going to be in the hours. I don't know exactly what it is, but something like four hours and maybe more if you include that social media. The average time a minister in, the, in, in America, I don't know what the UK stats are, but they won't be very different. A minister, a leader, a pastor spends in prayer every day in America seven minutes prayer is the conduit through which God's presence flows into your life 
and for mo the conduit so if you're in, in pakistan the conduit it's like the the tube the channel and for most christians that conduit that pipe is so thin and flimsy and then they wonder when they pray for people why they get very few results and no amount of uh, uh learning intellectual things or listening even you know unless you put into practice what you're hearing that won't change you need to become a real god seeker so that that conduit that flow those pipes coming from heaven into your spirit get bigger the deposit of god gets bigger and when you speak you speak with authority and when you pray you pray with authority and you and i both know that most of the time when people do that there isn't a lot of authority because for most there's not much of a conduit there's not much of a flow so let's be real about getting our prayer life going jesus regularly away here we go very simple few keys and i'm done for today i hope i'm helping you i feel like i'm helping myself i think i'll, I'll watch the video of this myself you ready number one have a place where you pray if it's a room lock the door don't get distracted turn communication systems off phones internet if it's your lunch if it's first thing in the morning if it's the back shed if it's the toilet it doesn't matter it could be walking down the path which i used to do a lot in australia it's a bit harder here in england because the paths are muddy in winter and there's a lot more people in a lot less space and i need to be undistracted so find a place decide what it's going to be it doesn't have to be perfect it could be the spare room it could be but get it undistracted nobody is going to knock on the door nobody is going to phone me i'm here with god that's number one that'll make an enormous difference number two set it up so it's got some kind of atmosphere so that means for me probably most of the time when i pray i'll have some kind of worship or ethereal atmospheric music on very easy to find on youtube just search soaking presence worship and there'll be six hours worth of it lots of different things put that on if you can find nothing else sometimes that time of prayer for me is going to be a time of worship and i'll turn it up loud and i'll just sing at the top of my voice because that's what's in the spirit today okay other times i need it real quiet because I'm in the presence of God. Other times I need it pretty pretty pumping because I'm in a, a warfare kind of mood. Shandalambandele. And so set up the atmosphere. Be careful with what's on your walls. For some, it might help you to have prayer reminders on your walls. But don't, whatever you do, declutter so that things don't get in the way of your focus. All right? Get rid of distractions. I would do this. Number four, set a timer. Okay. Now you don't have to use a timer, but uh, you know, well, Jesus used to say, um, watch and pray, didn't he? So you can, no, no, that's just a hopeless joke. I should give that up. Um, so a timer can be helpful because otherwise it's open-ended. Do you know what I mean? And you kind of might pray and then you check in the watch. So you do it how you want to do it. But if you're somebody that wants to grow in their spiritual life and kick into prayer, this is how, what I would do. I would say if you're a beginner, if you're a new Christian or, or this whole side of things, then just set a goal of 10 minutes and put your timer on 10 minutes 
and then say, right now, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. And if it goes over 10 minutes, your little alarm will go. What, here's what I find. If I set it for an hour, then it's harder. If I set it for half an hour, which is easier for me because praying is a spiritual practice like running a marathon is a physical practice. So if you haven't done it much, then don't think you're going to go and run a marathon. You'll just about kill yourself and you won't want to do it again. Just walk to the park and back. And then walk to the park and go around it once and back. And then do it a little bit more. And then in a week or a month, jog to the park, walk around the park and jog back. And then you may never get to a marathon because you don't have to. But the point is you're building something every day. Same with prayer. You can't become a significant heavyweight prayer overnight. You have to build from where you are. And the key to all these things is daily. So start with 10 minutes if you're starting. If you've been around a while as a Christian, then I would suggest 20 minutes is a good time. If you, have, if you really want to grow in God, then I would suggest 30 minutes is a good time. You're really hungry and you've got a little bit of experience behind you. And I would tend to think about two sessions. If you wanted to build that up and you say, I'm really, come on, I'm fired up here. Then I would tend to think about having two sessions of 30 minutes rather than one session of an hour. Or at least when you do the 30 minutes and the buzzer goes and you're in a flow, and this is exactly what happens to me, I'm in a flow, then I'll keep going. Then I'll just stall the buzzer stall the buzzer because now i'm in the spirit now i've got connection now i know that i'm praying things out of the will of god in the will of god from the will of god and so i'll keep going those are the kind of timelines that i would start to work with and if you are really zealous then make a couple of hours somewhere in the week Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, whatever, Tuesday nights, whatever it is. And and especially if you can lock yourself away and get in the Bible and get in the prayer and just say, God, I'm just going to be with you for an hour or two here. Uh, you can't necessarily do that every day. And I think it's a little unrealistic to certainly to start there. But that's the way I would do it. Best thing to do is to do it each day just to start. And the easiest way to get into the presence of God is praying in the Spirit. That's what opens that all up. So, use your gift of praying in tongues. And listen to yourself praying in tongues. It's a language. So, if you're going, then that language is kind of stultified. It's, it's, it needs development. And be deliberate about it. Just be conscious. It's not my head. But just as though I can pray in English cons, um, um, uh, intelligently and with a structure, you are praying from your spirit. But it's intelligent in the spirit world. It is requesting certain things. And so I will usually slow it down. Chatele, marande, labrasturu, chantalatege. And I don't want to spend the whole of the morning praying in the Spirit on TV, on whatever YouTube with you. But that's what I'm saying. Make sure that you know 
that this praying, that will get you into the spirit realm. And that will take you into, whether it's intercession, whether it's a prayer of faith, whether it's praying for mum and dad, you'll start to pick it up. And when you do that, especially if you've got a bit of worship on in the background, now all of a sudden something is happening. In fact, right now as I'm sitting here, I can sense the presence of God. And maybe you can too. We're going to come to a close. I hope that's been a practical help to you. And why don't you right now, where you are, in front of your screen, and I know I'm on a screen and all that stuff, and this is, I'm not, so that's a little awkward, but it's okay. It is what it is. But why don't you sit there and for the next 30 seconds, pray in the Spirit? It's not much. And if you don't pray in the Spirit, then I would just say in my own language, Lord, I am so hungry to be filled with the Spirit. I want to be a great prayer. Please fill me. I would just pray that way. So let's pray right now. I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Some of you may well find that the Holy Spirit falls on you, even as we're praying right now, and you begin to get this sense of something moving in your throat or coming out of your belly. That's where your spirit prayer comes from. But we're going to pray now. Shadande. Rasetalamanda. Belda sudu shede gase gurdu. And you've got to get past the embarrassment, past the awkwardness, past the, this feels weird, because it does. Shedele beredende, repestelda rusutakaya, eshetelde rupukurma, rebes bendel bashidibi, vayasa taratini, krasanda lagare tendel bimi, labrusu. Thank you, Lord. Thank you as we close this session today, that you feel afresh. Every person that's hearing with an anointing to pray. I ask that for all those that have never received this wonderful, life-changing gift called the gift of praying from your spirit, the gift of praying in other languages or other tongues. I pray that you baptize them with the Holy Spirit and grant them that gift. 